I'm Fathery. This is Dave. I'm Rachel. And this is Text Trek. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 236th installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new. And tonight we're talking about Star Trek Picard season three, episode seven, Dominion, written by Jane Maggs and directed by Deborah Kampmeyer. Uh, Deborah Kampmeyer, by the way, this is her first Picard directed episode but she did work on discovery season four she did the episode galactic barrier okay cool i remember that episode Mm -hmm. before we get started though i do want to give a shout out and thank you to all of our lovely patreon supporters it really means a lot to us when people are able to uh, chip in a little bit each month to uh, help us cover some of the expenses of the show so thank you starfleet so hell cake is eternal crazy dutchy joanne robertson john dot geek filter Earl Grey Trekkie, Quark's Bar, Benginium, and our anonymous supporters. Thank all of you so much to uh, celebrate your uh, continued support. We like to throw a, a watch party every month. Uh, anyone who participates in the Patreon can come into those. You uh, can join as little as two bucks a month. If you want to join at a, at a more generous tier, we do have some additional perks, but $2 a month will get you into the watch parties. March, we did uh, Way of the Warrior. Uh, now that we're hitting April, uh, we're going to do something on April 15th. But I haven't quite figured out. I, I, it's kind of a weird time with like, you know, Picard building up to the ending of the of the entire series and possibly like the TNG saga. I don't know what would be like the most appropriate episode uh, to yeah. watch on April 15th. So if anyone has any suggestions. Something nostalgic, something April <laughs> Fools-ish, something. Who knows? <laughs> I got some other news for other things going on in April. Uh, there's uh, First Contact Day, Wednesday, April 5th. If you check out our YouTube channel, I know some of y'all listen to the podcast on other platforms, but we'll be doing a live stream sometime April 5th. Haven't figured out much, uh, but it uh, might be like a little earlier than our normal normal evening streams. I'll, I'll be sure to uh, let people know, and I don't even know who's going to be available for that. But uh, but yeah, there's uh, going to be some things to talk about, surely. Like there's, there's a lot of recent news, so we, we just learned that Strange New World season two is coming June 15th. We'll be covering every episode every week, just like we do all the uh, the current shows. There's an official confirmation now that season three is uh, green lit and uh, that is going into production up in Toronto. Uh, and then also uh, we got the big official word that Lower Decks is uh, not only returning in late summer, like always not a shocker there. It always premieres in August, all three seasons, but uh, not only is his fourth season coming out on schedule this year, but it has been renewed for a fifth season and uh, no, no word on any prodigy renewal yet, but they still have like 20 episodes ordered that haven't been released. So they're only halfway through that run. No, no shocker there, but yeah, prodigy. Well, I think it's going to be like a similar schedule to last year, basically with a uh, strange new worlds, uh, 
last year it started in May. This year it's going to be June 15th. But it basically, Strange New Worlds will run till August. And then I think we'll just do lower decks until October. And then I think they'll do the same thing with a, that they did last year with a, the lower decks finale and the Prodigy premiere on the same night. And then we'll do the 10 episodes of, but they said winter, but I think it's actually going to drop in October, just run through October, November, December, uh, like they've like they've been doing with Prodigy. And then I think next year's schedule is probably going to be much the same, except instead of having a season of Picard at the beginning of the year, you know, in January or February, they're just going to kick the year off with the final season of Discovery. But then we'll do this exact same thing. Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and then Prodigy. <laughs> and then 2025 might even be following that same pattern, except instead of starting the year off with the last season of discovery we're probably going to start 2025 off with the first season of the newly announced star trek starfleet academy show which uh dave i know that was the that was a show you were really uh really hoping for of all the potential shows they were talking about yeah yeah i feel like i i think maybe in our circle i, I don't know for sure but i feel like i might be the one who's most interested um i i think it's uh you know the same way deep space nine changed up formats once upon a time and uh Throughout the ship model, I think this one could be an exciting changeup too. Yeah, I've always been super excited for that, and I'm glad like the Discovery like setting is staying, even if Discovery is going away. Same. Yeah, I wouldn't throw out that whole 32nd century. It, it is like of all the time periods that they're currently exploring, that is the one that I'm least interested in. It's kind of like in that that other Star franchise. I never cared about any of like like the deep prequels or even any of the prequel stuff to be honest. But like the like the old Republic stuff because it just felt like so disconnected mm -hmm. from like the and you know I'm like a I love like the big shared universes. I think that's cool. Like I grew up on Marvel DC comics and you kind of want them to be a little bit more in proximity to each other. The sort of the the big storylines yeah like like the the heart and soul of star trek is you know 23rd 24th century i guess now 25th with picard but because mm -hmm. we ran out of 24th but yeah like the 23rd 24th century uh like within the federation or near the federation so you know when they go like the far past like enterprise or the far future like discovery or the far side of the galaxy like voyager it's always like a little less interesting for me personally but i still enjoy all three of those shows so I bet with the Academy show, like, I bet it'll be a little bit more connected just because, like, we'll have, like, more species and stuff coming in. Yeah. And what I, because I had always, like, because I had imagined what a Starfleet Academy show, and this was, like, when I imagined this before, like, it became a thing. I was like, oh, I mean, one, I, Tilly's going to be on the show, right? Like, there's no way. Okay, I hope so. um, that depends on Mary Wiseman, I think. I'd always imagine like legacy Star Trek actors popping up, but I still feel like uh, with holodecks and stuff, you could still do that. I mean, I would love like that. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Like like how yeah. they do hollow Janeway on product. They could have like, here's a mm -hmm. medical lesson from the legendary, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Flox. And you get like John Billingsley from Enterprise. And he's like, hello, cadets. Here's a you know, the mm -hmm. lesson today. That'd be really neat. Yeah, that'd be fun. Exactly. And I would, I think Professor Saru would be amazing. I don't know if, if Doug Jr. Oh, is going to be looking for work. I want, after guest lecture, I want guest lecture book in there, uh, <laughs> radicalizing, radicalizing the kids. Well, uh, we'll see if he gets out of prison in season five. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know his status, but I guess we'll find out next year. And I'm really excited about like with Tawny Newsom apparently joining the writing staff. So it's really, going to be funny. Like, oh. there, there will be funny scenes in that show. I was like, oh, the tones are going to be more into what I'm in. Like, I enjoy melodrama sometimes but i'm usually a like one of my favorite tv shows is buffy i like mm -hmm. a little humor in there yeah this is definitely going for that young that that ya audience yeah uh, that uh that buffy kind of pioneered as far i know as genre i'm supposed goes. to be growing out of that thing at my age but i was like mm, i still like it i still like that tone yeah. a uh, like a high school slash co slash college type show 
is probably yeah. as appropriate a place as any to have uh, a fair amount of laughs. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, exactly. a, it's a popular it's a popular genre. I know there's some Trekkies out there that like they're like, oh, I don't want no teeny bopper CW star. It's like, what? Okay, just try the show, and if you don't like it, that's cool. You like, you know, you don't you don't have to watch it. And I feel like it also in the way prodigy like prodigy more so, but like can like be like get kids in. But I feel like this could be good for getting like teenagers in the circuit. Yeah. And, I, and that was kind of my thing is like, I love prodigy. And I'm like, I, this is kind of like my cadet show. I don't really need another one. But you know, Dave pointed out to me that, you know, like a, a lot of audiences, they would want like a little bit more mature teenager show where, you know, like you mm-hmm. could have like uh, the stuff that you do see on like those CW shows. And like, and- I definitely went through a phase and I don't even, th- I think it was subconscious, like in high school where I was like, Oh, I've grown out of like the cartoons and I didn't want to watch them. So I think like this probably would have appealed to me more. Yeah. Yeah. Historically, I think that a lot of times, whatever the age of the characters are on the show, uh, if they're younger characters, uh, the people watching it, they they tend to be a few years younger than that. They like are kind of aspiring <laughs> to whatever that is. So kids yes. who are just like hitting their teens might want to watch a show about older teens or, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's for sure what they're going to do. And like, yeah, like Prodigy, because it's on Nickelodeon, like. Okay, like we have like romance between Gwen and Dell, but like you know, like there, there's probably never going to be like a sexy scene between the two of them. Whereas, right, like, it's yeah, and Starfleet Academy, they will explore that stuff. So. Mm-hmm. And like in the way that I was like, I don't necessarily want a show that's a little on the sexier side on the show that's on Nickelodeon either. <laughs> like it would make me uncomfortable. Yeah, that's uh, that's for the Rule Thirty Four people. <laughs> well, if those kids <laughs> grow up, I'd like to see them. I would like to see like their, their oh, adventures I, in a more adult looked, show. I'm at some point. sure there's prodigy fan fiction already. Okay, let's let's like move on from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. And and by the way, those you know they could eventually you know get to if the characters age up, they could allow some yeah, actors the to portray up, them uh, like yeah, live action. Just paint paint Brett Gray purple, and he's like down in his twenties. Like I believe it. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> All right, but uh, but we're here for uh, we're here for Picard. Uh, so let's yes. uh, let's hit it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll talk more about that other stuff on First Contact Day and any other announcements. Mm-hmm. There's probably like a Strange New Worlds trailer, Lower Decks trailer. I think is likely. So yeah, we'll 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 explore those other shows in a few days. But as of right now, yes, we're all focused on season three, episode seven, Dominion. I'm going to quickly recap it by reading the official synopsis, and then I'll expand on that with some spoilers. The official synopsis reads. No, that's why do I keep doing I'm, this? I keep. I was like, I was like, I feel like this is a week before. I keep pulling the ones. I did that the other day, didn't I? I don't know why I can't yeah. copy and paste <laughs> the right synopsis into my notes. I'm so sorry. The beauty of live entertainment. Around, you slingshot around the sun, Father. It's okay. I, yeah. I, I I always forget what week it. I've actually been doing these in reverse. I start. I've already done the season three finale stream, uh, and then I came <laughs> back in time and did the mm-hmm. episode nine one. I, uh, yeah, you're obviously you're stuck in a time loop. <laughs> yeah. How many times has he done this? Dozens, hundreds. Yeah. I don't know. If you see Kelsey Grammer, like, <laughs> you can be concerned. I did see him at Star Trek Las Vegas one time, where he ta- had a panel and talked about every project he had ever worked on, except for the one time he was on Star Trek, and that that rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. But. <laughs> I'm so jealous. They're like filming the Frasier reboot right now, and my brother got to go to an episode. No, nice. what reboot? Was, like Frasier. Oh yeah. Coming yeah. coming soon to Paramount Plus with Showtime. Paramount Plus. <laughs> Yeah, but okay. The correct synopsis for this episode now on the no, that's the same one. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. Okay. Uh, shit, that's not right either. Q. Why don't we just skip the synopsis? This was a this is an ep- episode where the uh, the Titans on the run from Vatic, and she 
they try to trap her, but it ends up kind of backfiring and she takes control of the ship. There's also uh, something's up with Jack, like Nightmare Before Christmas. I always want to see something's up with Jack. Something's up with Jack. <laughs> yeah, he can like telepath into uh, if he thinks like a girl's cute. He can like telepath into her brain and give her kung fu moves if they have to fight changelings. <laughs> Uh, apparently, and uh, Lore uh, kind of takes over Data's body and wreaks some havoc, but Jordy is able to, you know, rein him back in. So we're going into the next week's episode with with Vatican Command. We still don't know what's going on with Riker and Troy, and uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be up to uh, Bev and JL. I know some people hate that, but uh, but Doc Crusher and Picard and uh, their their bouncing baby boy Jack and uh, his. <laughs> His uh, girl that he has a crush on, Sydney, is, and we'll see what the four of them do to try to rectify the situation. Dave, since you weren't here last week, would you kindly give the first opening statement and just express your your broad uh, takeaway on, on this, this episode, general thoughts before we get into the specifics in a moment? Father, I first want to say that I'm pretty sure Jack would not want to be called their bouncing baby boy. <laughs> so I'm just saying that on his behalf. I'm standing up for Jack. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to think of something colorful off the cuff. And you know, when you shoot from the hip, you don't always hit the bullseye. It had alliteration. Yeah. Uh, right. So, you know, I, when I was watching this episode, I don't always notice when they have sort of overt themes, like visual themes or kind of recurring themes, uh, except, you know, mirrors or whatever. Uh, but I did notice that they had this thematic of partitions in this episode. And so there was like the ones that are in Data's mind, keeping his separate parts uh, 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 separate, uh, the force fields that block off Vatic's troops. And um, and then there's like the, the one that I thought was kind of most relevant to the episode, the one that Vatic talks about when she's monologuing, which is that uh, the way we can have cognitive dissonance, uh, that us like a civilized <laughs> race can have these kind of um you know inhumane you know causing we could ignore one another's pain as she says right right yeah mm-hmm. and it, that you know that's a super serious issue to talk about i like when trek talks about that kind of stuff and i feel like since trek is especially a reflection of sort of western democracies above all else um that um that's very relevant um to question but the the part that i struggle with in the episode is that it seems to kind of come at the cost of that roddenberry sometimes starry-eyed optimism about the future and you know it's it's that uh, rise of section 31 it's picard and beverly talking about possibly executing vatic uh because family is at risk and you know jordy had his family at risk too they definitely were pushing the emotional stakes as high as possible so so on that level i'm i'm honestly still struggling with the episode and see need to see a little bit of how all of that is going to play out but some of it like the you know the the thoughts that picard and uh, crusher had unless they retcon something or reveal some manipulation those were real they they happened and i don't know how i feel about them it maybe is not great um i feel like they've been in some tough situations and it that just felt like I, I didn't see them being quite ready to go that to that degree um, but I, I still was enjoying the execution of just about everything in the episode. I liked the, you know, just having some action, you know, deck fights. And I liked seeing Data and Jordy together um, or Tim Russ, obviously, uh, fake Tim Russ, uh, real Tim Russ, fake, fake, um, fake like Tuvok. Innocent, fake which, Tuvok. Which is Thank funny you. because they showed the real Tuvok on lower decks, but he didn't speak. Uh, he just showed up uh, like on screen. <laughs> yeah. So th- that was real Tuvok, but it was not Tim Russ. This is real Tim Russ, but not Tuvok. Uh, interesting. Oh, um, yeah, I, that's, that's kind of funny. But it was still it was still a good scene. Like, I loved it. Uh, yeah. it's, and it worked fine with the inversion it suddenly had and revealing, oh, like, these guys are on their own. That is, the, if, we, if we had any doubts before, oh, they mm-hmm. can call up this, that, or the other person, now it's gone. 
Um, but anyway, I, I'm going to give the episode a mixed, a positive, uh, quick, quick take review. Uh, still turning it over. Um, but, but yeah, I, I struggled with some of the thematics in it. Rachel, what about you? What was your uh, general thoughts on this episode? A, a lot of the same thoughts as Dave. I really enjoyed the episode, but like part of me, it, I felt tense the entire time. <laughs> Starting with, like, realizing, ah, shit, Tuvok is a changeling. And there are parts, it was like, uh, I think I described it as one thing when I watched it, friend. I was like, I don't like that, but I, I, I love it. It's like one of the things I'm so invested in the story, but also I was so nervous the entire mm. time. Yeah. That, like, like, because I care, that, like, is part of it. That I, They've obviously got me to the part where I really care about what's happening. That serial story. storytelling has the increasingly mm -hmm. upping upward stakes a lot yeah. of the time, and we're at a part that it's getting pretty intense. Yeah, definitely. And I overall, I thought it was a really good episode. I thought there were really good moments for like every. I think they made a good choice of like kind of sidelining a couple of characters, having them off screen, so that the characters that were there got really good moments. I felt like there was really good acting from like a lot of people, and it, even though I was sitting there like clenching my fist like oh no what's about to happen i was like really enjoying watching those performances right on for me this episode was it was a bit of a, a bit of a roller coaster a bit up and down i got my attention uh at the beginning with tuvok and then i really liked the the lore stuff i was excited to see kind of a a nasty villain mm -hmm. uh join join the cast and it, then it kind of slowed down with some like the vatic searching for jack and like setting the trap and all of that stuff but then it picked up again and got pretty riveting with with the reveals that came with Vatic. Uh, I'm also very much disturbed by the use of Section 31. Uh, but I, th I think I enjoy the show enough that it, in the long run, I'm not too worried. I think I'll end up forgiving it with mm -hmm. these next three episodes. It's just I that's a decision that I don't even think is is in the hands of the Picard season three writers. I think that's more of a franchise wide thing of how they want to depict Section 31, which I I have issues with. I like them as they were presented in Deep Space Nine as like an unofficial part of Star. They, they weren't even part of Starfleet. They were like a separate like it was unusual when, when Bashir figured out Admiral Ross had been working in collaboration with Section 31. Like that, that was like mm -hmm. a weird thing. It was like, it looked at like this really weird thing that Dominion War has driven us to do. Uh, that being said, though, I do think the story that they're telling is very important. And I love that Starfleet's decision to not turn over the cure to the changelings in DS9. I love that that came back to bite them in the ass. Mm -hmm. Reverberation a couple decades later. And DS9 even, you know, suggested that was the wrong thing to do. And that's why Bashir had to go steal the cure with O'Brien, even though that Vatic doesn't give them credit. She's like, now one of our own got the cure. He's like, yeah, but you had this Sudanese dude and this Irish dude that like wouldn't did all the <laughs> shit to get it for him. But I was because I meant to go back and watch that episode. I was thinking, I was like, didn't Bashir and o like, yeah. like, didn't Bashir go get it? Like, <laughs> But yeah, the, the Lauren and Jordy scene, that made me cry. Like they needed that so much. It, mm -hmm. it, you know, TNG never gave them like the big friendship moment like that. And they really missed that opportunity with Star Trek Nemesis. That's so kind of like true. I've always I've always been disappointed that Nemesis didn't do like some some big like touching moment like that before Data's death. So I'm glad that, that they're giving us that stuff. Yeah, here. they got like a look and i'm like their friendship was way more than like it should just be like a look it's that thing where mm. i'm sure the 
in writing it that they're like, well, we, we, we can't have too many characters on the screen, too many character arcs. So let's just mm-hmm. focus on the big people. Let's get Picard in there. No, and, yeah, that's, that's exactly what they were doing. And yeah. but, the movie like, suffered from that. They, what a missed Rick, opportunity. Rick, Rick Berman said, we need to make this movie as lean as possible. We need to trim as much, cut all the character stuff that's unnecessary out of this movie. It needs to have the shortest possible runtime because that's the only way it's going to compete with Lord of the Rings. Because Lord of the Rings is too mm-hmm. long and it's not going to have as many screenings. If we make our movie really short, there's going to be so many so many Star Trek Nemesis showtimes that like people will just be like, oh, I'm not going to go watch Lord of the Rings. I'll watch Star Trek Nemesis. You know, it's funny is that uh, I, I forgot that was the p- precise pressure on them. You know, the, the characters, some of those most cut out, Beverly and Deanna, you know, we've mm-hmm. we've seen uh, Deanna in, in season one, right? And then obviously Beverly mm-hmm. here in season three. They've both been great. You know, it, it, yeah. it really shows that their, that their wisdom of, of excising them from it was terrible. Yeah, and uh, and Terry has teased that yeah, there's a lot of Troy stuff in the final three mm-hmm. episodes that we haven't seen yet. He was just talking about that on Twitter yep, yesterday. Saw that. I saw on Twitter, and it's funny. I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast ever. I've kind of figured that the lack of Troy was because of Murray Nasertis being the one person who, of the cast who doesn't live in the U.S. Right. pretty regularly. We got to shout out Snoopy McQueen for the uh, very oh, generous yeah. $5 super chat. Uh, Snoopy says... Least favorite episode. I thought Jack Mystery was over. Lore Data Silly. Picard, the reason why ship was taken over. Yeah, like Picard's plan did uh, did backfire. I'm actually okay mm-hmm. with like Picard getting stuff wrong. I think he's often been presented as too perfect. That's one of the things I love most yeah. about Picard is in Star Trek Picard, Picard fucks up on occasion. I suppose if he's ever been emotionally compromised, it's probably right yeah. now. Yeah, and I think this was a plan that everyone was on board with, even if they knew it was risky. But it did, so it did come off as a little bit like a half-baked action movie. I, I, I agree. I, I think Snoopy's not wrong on, yeah. on that, though, and we'll I'm sure we'll dive into that more as we get into details. Yeah. Um, no, I I think that's less legit. And I'm very confused about the Jack aromatic. That's possibly not aromatic thing. Yeah, going this, on in his brain, there is like so. some suggestion of like some long-term planning that, that didn't they suggest that like uh, Picard might not have ever had it or something like that, that, that yeah. maybe there was something with that. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to be some wild decades spanning conspiracy Ooh, walk carefully, guys. Well, I, the way the, I don't know, they worded their like diagnosis in question. I just figured he'd been misdiagnosed is what they're going to say. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think they're, that's what Which they're going something with. Probably similar, which I don't necessarily mind. I don't know. Maybe it's just. I, and it could be Borg. I, I think because he, he yeah. was never diagnosed with aromatic syndrome until well after he had been assimilated. So I think it might yeah, be residual so maybe... Borg stuff. That wouldn't totally make sense. And it's also misdiagnosis is unfortunately very common. Like, so I think to me, I was just like, yeah, he got misdiagnosed. Like misdiagnosis is pretty common in like women's health, especially because they don't necessarily listen to what they're saying. I would, I would really hope that the 25th century would, would be better. And uh, if it reflect us at all right now, then he as a white man should have gotten the best treatment (laughs) there is. That's horrible. I know, I know, but. And it could be something where it's like, he did have aromatic syndrome, but it's from the Borg implant, so it's like a uh, synthetic version of it. So it's actually mm. different, but they they maybe had no way of knowing it was different. Or the Borg uh, recognized that he had aromatic syndrome, used their crazy high tech to immediately get rid of it, and then planted mm. something that looked like it as a sleeper. You know, mm. uh, maybe that's why. H- maybe that's why they chose Picard to assimilate and make him into Lacutus because they were trying to make like 
a super Borg with this aromatic brain who could like mm-hmm. telepathically like link mm. like like a wireless assimilation thing, and now like Jack is doing that or something. That's yeah. not the the craziest train of thought that I've heard. So yeah. I, I do expect Jack answers in the next episode, though. So I'm not I'm not too worried about figuring it out. Oh, uh, when he started like reading people's minds, I had a a joke thought. I do not think this is the case. When he started reading people's minds, I was like, Are we sure he's Beverly's son and not Deanna's? <laughs> I was thinking like, <laughs> Is this Superman the movie when like yeah. Lois? Lane is thinking like a, a that poem that Christopher Reeve <laughs> like, read telepathically reads out of her mind. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I um, forgot about that. Maybe <laughs> after Nemesis, they're like, "Well, that was pretty crazy. Let's all get let's all get drunk. Let's all <laughs> let's get raging drunk." And then, yeah, Deanna. Well, let's get into the episode breakdown, <laughs> starting with the opening with fake Tuvok, and then we'll talk about like the data lore situation they establish after that. But uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much like fake Tuvok convinces them they're not going to get any help from anyone that's not on the Titan with them. So they, that they turn to data for possible answers. So I just wanted to clear. No one knew Tim Russ was coming, right? No. Like, I had no idea. I was so shocked. Yeah, that's that was cool. Uh, it's it's <laughs> nice that they can... Uh come out of nowhere with the audience in something that has so much uh so many eyes on it yeah i mean mm-hmm. everyone outside of the united states or outside of like the, i guess the paramount plus <sighs> uh well no because like in the uk it's on paramount plus but they have to wait till fridays but yeah like the ready room the marketing for the ready room totally spoiled the the reveal of tim russ for a lot of people but it is literally like the like he's the first close-up of the episode so. but i have a friend who is a little behind because actually he was traveling yeah. and wherever he was paramount plus didn't work there and so he just gone back was like hey avoid uh the ready room because like there's a spoiler and he's like the and thumbnail and i think the, the title thumbnail both, gave it away i like tim russ. they do and he said he opened youtube just like the home page that was just there there's there's a uh a, a, a tuvok who's a, a captain who looks about 20 years older than he did the last time we saw him in live action. Yeah. It's uh, pretty obvious. His ears look a little different with, with a little his, bit of reality there. I think his ears mm-hmm. grew a little longer, but uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's looking pretty good for like, he's in like his 120s. I, I have a theory about the ears. I wonder, cause the only shot because they're speaking to him through the, like the viewfinder. I bet his ears didn't like when they're shooting straight on. I bet you couldn't really see the ears unless they made them a little mm. bigger. Rachel, I love that you called the view screen a viewfinder. <laughs> I couldn't a view screen. <laughs> but you know, it was it was cool to see him that that cadence, you know, this kind of steadiness mm-hmm. that that you expect from Tuvok, where he, you know, didn't forget th- how to play Tuvok. He was a hundred percent Tuvok, and, and then you like, would think like, it would be uh, that's why he you would think, oh, here's a guy who could steady Janeway when she had her mm-hmm. moments. He's yeah. and he's steadying them now. Let's play the theme. Everything might there might be a little bit of hope. Oh shit. <laughs> uh, his. He was so good at like the switch. Yeah, I love like, when it he creeped me out when he starts yeah. getting like that little bit of smirk, and then like that 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 <laughs> that guy the, that changeling was such like a dick when like Picard's asking about Riker and he turns in like zombie right like corpse Riker. Like, that was uh, cool. That was cool. What does Riker wanna... say to him? He says something. Uh, he says, "Me, Admiral, I'm as good as dead." Uh, yeah, I, but it confused me because I watched this episode and I was like, "Wait a minute." Well. Let me back back up a little bit. I had been confused for a while because I had been hearing some people say that Riker's in every episode or I've heard some people say like he's in every episode but one. I'm like, which is it? And I finally got it. I was like, okay, Jonathan Frakes is in every episode. Riker must be in all of them except for this one because we don't we don't see Riker, but we do see Jonathan oh, Frakes. So from like that makes how actors are billed and stuff. It's important for those reasons. But yeah, it was a it was a, a freaky. I liked that. It was a, it was a cool use of changeling shape shifting that we had never seen before. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, what a cool like little psychological warfare type tactic. 
It reminded me of the villain in the last season of Buffy is like the first evil, mm-hmm. and they can take the form of anyone who's died, mm-hmm. including Buffy because she's died twice. And but like they would just do these things where they would like transform from like different people, and it was yeah. And I, it was always really creepy, and I was like, oh, they're they're doing that. I always think that it must be fun, like the actor who plays Jack Crusher when he got to say some harsh stuff uh, mm-hmm. um, as a changeling, obviously. Brent Spiner has been able to do this for decades as lore, yeah. and I feel like lore gets some pretty pretty juicy stuff later on. Uh, really uh, harsh words about Picard's age. Yeah, I I, um, I love that. But uh. I do want to point out that I hope so. Jordy has not seen Riker, so I I wonder if Jordy's like, is that what he looked like? <laughs> uh, he's a smart dude. I think he figured it yeah. out. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a fun scene. It's like good tension. It's like, oh, he, he we can trust him. He's the real Tuvok. And it's like, oh no, he isn't. They they were referencing things from Voyager, so good use of continuity in a way that made sense, did not feel shoehorned or fan servicey at all. Yeah. And it also made sense like why she was doing it to like to to vet him. And then they come up with like this theory uh with in their conference room scene where they're talking about like maybe they're going to take Jack's blood and, and use it uh, along mm-hmm. with the Picard corpse to make like an ultimate doppelganger that won't be detectable and will be able to wreak havoc first contact day. My theory as of right now is that that is a red herring. It's actually going to be something very different. I think so too. I, I agree. I think it's a red herring. Even if that is part of the plan, that is not like the main reason. They yeah, totally. It. It's it's like the best information they can do with, or best they can do with the, the limited information I, they have. Like, I understand why people in universe think that. Like, yeah. they're just like, why the hell? Because I think they're just very disturbed. Like, why are they stealing bodies? <laughs> like, but it's even like when, when Picard even presents that theory to Vatic, like, I don't know. I kind of like looking at her face, like she might, she's, she kind of seems like she's thinking like, you dumb sons of bitches. Y'all ain't got no idea what the hell we're doing. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is kind of like her episode. Like she wins the episode, uh, which is saying a lot. Cause mm-hmm. she goes from like, you know, being like very defeated in captivity. That's one of those like cool classic villain moves and like movies and stuff. It's like when you show someone mm-hmm. in captivity, but they still feel like they're in total control of the situation. Yeah, like a the classic Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Han- like yeah. He invented it. And then there's like a big resurgence in the 21st century with like, like Heath Ledger's Joker or even uh, Benedict, Cum- Benedict Cumberbatch as, as Khan in, in uh, Star Trek into darkness. For sure. I, I actually, I love that Briggs scene in that movie when he's talking shit to uh, Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine. He's like, mm-hmm. Mr. Spock, you can't even break a rule. How could you be expected to break bone? I, was, I thought like, whatever you want to say about that movie or about Benedict Cumberbatch's casting as Khan. I was like, that scene was was good. Like, I, I think that was great. Yeah, I, I give it up for that. Uh, but it's kind of similar to uh, to how Lore is introduced, where Lore is just like immediately just talking shit. Like, like oh my God, y'all got old. The Picard, you're ancient. Yeah, I, I wrote it down. He says, uh, he says, nor am I in complete control of my utter revulsion at your ancient face. Yeah, just putting as much venom <laughs> as possible into every single word. It, do you think Brett Spiner enjoyed doing that? Oh, man, I enjoyed obviously. watching it. Yeah. He, you know, uh, what I liked is that um, is it, it's um, Jordy's other daughter. Is that right? Says, yes, Al- Alondra. If, if, Alondra. If, Alondra's asks, the one that's the real life daughter of LeVar Burton. That's Mika. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, asks if uh, Laura's always been this arch. I like Laura's explanation that it was kind of a, a kind of a counterpoint to their morality, their overly mm-hmm. moralizing vibe. And, you know, that's. It's 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 a good lore line, and you know sometimes Star Trek is a little preachy, especially maybe TNG. Yeah. So I, it's it's kind of fun. You it's need good a little art. DS Nine figured they're like, hey, let's put like some just like scumbag Ferengi in the main cast. That might be fun. Yeah, and it was it was great, great idea, Michael Piller. 
rest in peace. I, I, I don't know. For some reason, like I wasn't really like anticipating lore with with as much excitement as I probably should have been because I, I do like mm-hmm. I do like lore. I think it's I think it's cool to have this uh you know the kind of like these these big Star Trek villains these these bigger than life villains yeah. they they, uh, they they work uh, uh pretty consistently and also because we've talked about how like the changelings don't really make sense as the final villain for Picard. I was like, Lord does though. Yeah, like, Lord has some history. I don't know if he mm-hmm. should be like the main like final boss of the TNG saga, but I mean like he definitely should have a role to play in there. And I actually yeah. would have preferred, I think, if it was more lore and then not I would have been okay if like data's not in the season at all. If data's just dead. In fact, I would have preferred that. And I thought if you just had like lore just like sh- shoved into the the crew, like for whatever reason, lore has to team up with mm-hmm. them and the whole time he's just if he's just like an asshole like this talking <laughs> shit, like I think that'd be great. That would have been funny. But, you know, here's the thing is like if, you know, um, I, I, although I, I kind of agree, I didn't need Data to be brought back. They did a pretty good job with his finale, but mm-hmm. we did get Jordy and Data finally. And that means yeah. something. Yeah, I think the between watching Brent Spiner like physically switch between them, like very easily was like super impressive mm. and that scene with lavar burn is so good that i'm like I, I was like maybe it's not the best storytelling decision but almost like having lavar burn getting this moment like mm. is worth it to me it, when we get like the kind of the, the first lore scene of the episode i think the the blink and you miss it type of moment that we've already referenced but it, yeah when when data is is in command uh, when data is talking and he is warning them like oh yeah like that diagnosis on eromotic syndrome there's actually more to the story than like we don't know what he is about to say but i think we'll probably get that since this episode seems to end with data regaining control then mm-hmm. i would think pretty early in next week's episode data would be like so as i was saying earlier yeah and we'll get <laughs> as i was saying before my brother started yeah. being a dick you know it is it was it was great also to see brent spiner though to pull off that gentle voice that data has his gentle curiosity mm-hmm. that that's you know th- that's more than anything is data that kind of quiet inquisitiveness although lore <laughs> is a scene stealer for sure it was great to hear data kind of come back online it was interesting because i feel like obviously he played data a little bit in season one mm-hmm. but it's mostly been playing seeing him playing lore and soongs for like the last couple years and it was really interesting hearing data's voice and i was like oh i was like i forgot how gentle he is like as data that it was like no wonder he wanted to go like so over the top with everybody else so rachel as as the uh the person on the podcast who probably enjoys uh romance stories the most uh what did you think of that kind of confusing jack and sydney in the turbo lift scene where i guess he read her mind about touching her hand as someone who reads a lot of historical romance which involves a lot of hand touching i was like "Hmm, maybe more guys need to watch this and see like just just touch your hand it'll be great I, I kind of like thought it was cute. I'm kind of like I'm on board with these two. It was yeah, weird like, when when Sydney is like thinking like why is he looking at me like that, and then it cuts to him with like the red glowing eyes. It's like Sydney, that's that was your only reaction to him like with like these glowing red paw wraith looking eyes. It's is like, that like in Spider Man comics back in the day when he would ha- you would see his mask on his face just to show his spider sense was going off, even though it was not yeah, literally there. I'm guessing. I'm guessing is that the red eyes are like what's happening in him and she cannot actually see the red eyes. How it worked in my head was because we only see that like when the camera pushes close enough to him. So I think she was too mm-hmm. far away to see the red part. That is also, that could also be true. I do not think, I think if she actually saw the red eyes, she would have a bigger I mean, reaction. you gotta figure like Starfleet officers are desensitized to a lot of weird shit. <laughs> that would be, I'd be like, oh, human eyes don't do that. She'd be like, ah, uh, Jack's possessed. God damn it. I like, I like Jack and Sydney though. That was a, that's an unexpected place to go with the 
with the season and uh yeah, you know trek I, trek is a little uh trek could use a little romance sometimes he was he was trying to shoot his shot he was you know trying a little carefully but you know he's like oh uh what are, what are your quarters like yeah yeah pretty sly like their flirting actually felt natural sometimes star trek's flirting can be a little stilted i would say in older stuff see also jordy <laughs> see also jordy is yeah. the um Cindy's got a little bit more game than her father. Yeah, so yeah. it'd be hard to have less. So. <laughs> it would be. Ouch. I love how everyone is like, oh my God, who did Jordy sleep with to have these kids? Like, I need to know who the mom is. He just, he managed to get, because I think that's all Jordy needed. He's like, he got one down and he was like, great, I can finish with that because I was terrible at it. <laughs> I, um, and I think, yeah, I think they're sweet and natural. And then also in a way that like, I enjoy them, but I also like that they're not going to right away to like they're each other's true loves. And I was like, no, they're like they might right. be, but like they're just they're doing they're getting their flirt on and they're like seeing where this is gonna go. Young people that think each other is cute. Like I don't want them to yeah. like, get engaged or anything. And they're but... also like they're age appropriate for each other. Right. True. They're like I think both actors are in their like mid to early thirties, like playing mid twenties. Playing mid twenties. Yeah. I don't early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it occurs to me, I guess they're sort of uh, their first date is going to be a uh, diehard on a starship next episode. Yeah, they're aren't they loose. Yeah, they're they're, mm-hmm. uh, they're part of the uh, I guess the the non-captured people that we see at the very end of this one. Good for them. Yeah, that should be cool. I'm sure we're going to mm-hmm. see more about uh, in addition to getting Jack's story, we're probably going to see him doing more of his uh, telepathic uh, martial arts. Um, and I'm sure yeah. we're going to see I, I am quite sure we will see Sydney do some cool stuff on her own. Um, yeah, I want to see her do some, like some badass mm-hmm. piloting. Mm-hmm. or or kind mm-hmm. of yeah like although uh, what can she do like she's not gonna i mean maybe they can take over some part of the ship or something and do that but i don't know if she's gonna be able to do what she's best at uh because they're you know stuck within the confines of the ship unless she starts like five so she can pilot on the ship maybe <laughs> they can get that the 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 shrunken deep space nine uh, defiant or whatever or what, it, it wasn't a, it was a runabout right yeah um, i think it was a runabout yeah, yeah. maybe they can get that <laughs> she could just physically <laughs> hit Vatic in the head bam i mean that, that is another example of the uh the ship being taken over but yeah i guess <laughs> yeah. Uh, jack jack is feeling guilty he wants to do something proactive and they uh you know talks to his old man and and uh Picard, Picard's pretty fatherly in this episode, and they, they agree to. to mm-hmm. He comes up with the idea for this trap that we all think is a, is a little not great of a plan, but yeah, they're running they're running out of time. I liked Jack's um, thing in there about you know it's it's kind of acknowledging he, he talked about this a little with Riker that he doesn't want people to be sacrificing themselves for him uh, when he's mm-hmm. like uh, but when he asked Picard he's like do you know what that's like I was thinking very, Picard very much knows what it's like <laughs> he's commanded a crew that's died for him you know what's good mm-hmm. writing though you know what was good writing in this episode is that yeah. they had given us those moments between Riker and Jack early on in the season so when he says Riker was nothing but good to me like we really empathize with Jack's yeah. guilt. But like, yeah, that guy was pretty cool to you. And mm-hmm. that that was either when they were crafting those scenes earlier in the season, knowing that it would pay off here, or it was like, oh yeah, we built up all that cool, all those cool Riker moments. Let's acknowledge yeah. it here. So that's, uh, you don't always have to have, you know, like the roadmap planned out, but it should always, whatever you, you write, it should always feel you know, like that organic flow to mm-hmm. it like i, th- I think a, a great example of that uh you know, star trek's done it a lot but like another another pop cult- cultural one i guess lately is kind of like how the the marvel cinematic universe had like a, a really uh big arc with a big payoff for i guess its mm-hmm. first decade of movies 
And none of that, I mean, some of that shit was planned from day one, but most of that stuff, they're just like pulling stuff out of their ass for each movie, but they were able to create the illusion of it all tying together in the end. Mm -hmm. So that's a skill. I'll be honest. That's, that's how real life is. Everything, I guess, (laughs) technically ties together, but we're all just making it up as we go. Well, it's kind of like what Vadik says is, you know, like, yeah, how real life is, is, you know, like you, you, you get to where you were always destined to go. You know, you always end up Mm -hmm. somewhere and then you're like, oh yeah, wow. Like looking back, like. Of course, it made sense. This is this is you know the river was going to flow to the ocean, and I didn't yeah. I didn't know where I was going to end up. But now that I'm here, it seems obvious. And you know, humans look for patterns in everything, so that's that's one of our things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yes, if the if the writers are good, they can kind of nudge it so it feels like a very intentional pattern, even if sometimes mm-hmm. it wasn't. Let's get into uh, the the Vatic on the hunt and in, into the trap, and then her mm-hmm. I guess reversal of the trap. But yeah, she's talking to a scary face which is actually her hand. So I don't know if she's talking to the hand or talking to the face or what, but uh, <laughs> he's definitely like not a changeling, right? Like he, he's like talking about her, like he you, said you and your people. kind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought he was maybe like one of the changelings. She hasn't like changed their biology. But even, of. even then he's like, you know, you were made to be like molded and reshaped. And it sounds like he's talking about like all oh. changelings in general. The vibe I got was that that was a deliberate re- reveal of some new piece of information. Yeah. Okay. And then we're supposed to be like, okay, he is actually, there is some other faction at work here. I like when he um, like, maybe to go like super intimidating when he like turns the base up and is just like shaking and rattling everything, including Vatic herself. And you kind of get like those shock waves like going through her changeling skin. And yep. it made her, it made her look more Odo-ish. It made her look like a DS9 mm-hmm. changeling. Uh, yeah. That was like uh, that part in um, uh, what A Christmas Carol when uh, Marley the ghost has to really fucking scare Scrooge. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's feeling the, the tick-tock of the ancient clock, as, as like she mentioned <laughs> in an earlier episode. And yeah, so she's feeling the pressure. She's scared shitless of Scary Face. Uh, our friend uh, Aaron, a.k.a. Geek Filter, who couldn't make it on the show, but he's here in the live audience. He has an interesting theory. Uh, he thinks, you know, later when we see her uh, being tortured by that I guess Starfleet or Section Thirty One or whoever person. When she takes like the shape of her, he his theory is that he actually like uh, merged with her body, and so like a part of her is like mm. existing here, like held prisoner. And when we see her like scared and terrified, uh, I, I think Aaron's theory is that like that's actually like the actual scientist. Oh, uh, interesting. That'd be uh, that'd be sort of messed up. I I, I have a feeling <laughs> they'll keep it simpler, and and it will yeah. just be a. Uh, that is yeah, a really cool. The part, psychological though. thing of taking on, you know, the person you most hate. It's a, it's an idea of, I've seen sometimes in other fiction. Yeah, I, I'm un, unconvinced of that, but the I think the the piece of evidence that does point the uh, a great deal of validity to Aaron's theory is that we don't actually see the dead body when they do the flashback. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, classic in uh, genre fiction if you don't see the body if you don't see the body <laughs> um i saw that jill was saying that she thought the pan- plan was so particularly bad the luring of uh Vatic, that she felt like that plan had to be for the plan to, to go wrong <laughs> or you know that was that was the intent i i don't think that's going to be the case i think mm-hmm. i guess you could argue Vatic rant jumped at it because her time was running out and picard just made a bad call part of the reason it went bad is lore right like yeah. Right. They, they were otherwise, it was kind of working. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really have that big of an issue with the, with the plan itself. I, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It seems like it might've been like easier to like beam them into force field, like beam them into the brig or something. So I don't know why they didn't like use transporters. Yeah, sometimes the way, but, you know, well, then, boarding... when, they, when they tried to transport Sydney and Jack, they couldn't. So maybe that was part of the plan, but then the transporters were offline. 
But, uh, Troopboarding in Star Trek is all is, can sometimes lead to a lot of questions of why don't they do this? Why don't they just gas the decks and you know a million other things? So that's always been a slight weak point in Trek. I, you know, I don't doesn't bother me too much that they you know yeah it was going to be a success, but for lore though. I love the with lore. It's like uh, the one thing we didn't plan for is our friend transforming into the local sociopath. <laughs> yeah, he went uh, full Mister Hyde. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I, I was. Looking forward to this episode thinking we're finally going to get the Vatic backstory because she hadn't really been around other characters or anyone to talk to. So I thought last mm-hmm. week when we ended with Riker and Troy held prisoner by Vatic, I was like, oh, they're going to be her prisoners and she's going to be taunting them and talking to them and we're going to learn her backstory finally. Uh, so I was half right. We do get the the big, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the exposition monologue from Vatic that reveals uh, a lot of her past. I guess not everything, right. but probably most things. But we didn't get it the, the way I thought. We got it from actually her being imprisoned by, by Crusher and Picard. We got the Project Proteus and and all of that. And definitely some, like, some very ugly truths either about Starfleet or Section 31 or Section 31 operating with Starfleet's tacit approval, maybe. That's how I'm going to have to head canon. Is that in the Dominion War, they, did, they brought Section 31 into Starfleet. And mm-hmm. that's uh, that's how we're gonna have to square that. Uh, I don't like it, but that's the uh, that's the choice that the people who own the franchise have decided to go in. Like, I don't I don't like the eugenics war being moved to the 21st century. I, I kind of like the Greg Cox explanation of it being like a secret war that happened in the 90s, but we all didn't know about it. But they're like, no, it's, it's a 21st century thing now. And we're gonna uh, see a you know, that, so. Khan talked about ruling over nations in, in a way that <laughs> yeah, seemed pretty yeah. clear that there was actual old old ancient world style takeover you also talked about the year mm-hmm. 1996 so <laughs> yeah it's easier for me to just to say almost like overdub that in as like uh one uh, did know, i say 1996 <laughs> i i meant i meant 2024 it's happening it's yeah. happening in a couple of years you know when um I, I think vadic's uh monologue and and uh, her, her talk about uh, what happened to her was 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 pretty well done, but I also there's a part where she's like, uh, "The Federation took my family, and now I'll take yours." And I was like, "I think I just saw that in the trailer for the next Fast and Furious movie." <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and then I felt kind of not great about it. <laughs> Look, other franchises need to be able to use the word family. <laughs> like, no, it's I a never, copyright. Never, I've never watched Fast and Furious, so I never like when I see like those family memes. It's like I never thought about Fast and Furious when I like I don't I don't connect those words yeah. like that. But it's a thing. <laughs> I believe it is. Yeah. I like you would think the memes are like they can't say it that much. They do. They do. It's insane. Uh, I, I think everyone like, has like at least one like big big uh, pop cultural thing that there's like like my, I guess like Fast and Furious and Harry Potter. I don't I don't know. I these. They're not a thing in my world, but I've never really watched The Simpsons. That's my yeah. Really it's like whenever whenever I see like some like nerdy reference to something, I don't know what it is. I just oh, that's probably like mm-hmm. a Harry Potter thing, I guess. It's, it's either Harry Potter or anime. It's it, father. Mm-hmm. It's either going to be Harry Potter, anime, or Fast and Furious. That's yeah. the only three things that you haven't uh, partaken of. But but, uh, but what did y'all think about like uh, Vadic's motivation? Uh, are you liking it? Is, is is it? I thought it was just maybe a little prosaic. I like that she has a like. She kind of has a point. I like that. Uh, yeah, I like, like that. Yeah. I sure. think they were like really tortured. Like this this person Torture is demented. Is, She's like, there's no justification for for that. Boiling them yeah. and electrocuting them and like freezing them and then making them brittle and breaking them like i loved it in like storytelling just the callousness of her just like like whistling three blind mice 
Which what is the other? There's another song that uses that tune, and I cannot figure out what it oh, is. I'm not right sure. Now. I just thought Three Blind Mice, but I think you're right. Yeah, there is something else that uses it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of those old songs get reused. Like, twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and the ABCs. And the alphabet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the alphabet song are the same. I always same remember song. how uh, what the I think it's the first Bond movie. Doctor No had. Uh, oh the, yeah, yeah. Three Blind Mice. Or, no, no, no. no it was the... on Her Majesty. Sorry. No. Yes, yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's because it's in Jamaica. It's with the with the hitmen who are masquerading as, or who's he's like masquerading as a blind man. Yeah, those man. dudes were cool. I always thought they, they were, were cool. totally cool. <laughs> I love doctors. I was so surprised when I, like I I grew up and I learned like yeah, Doctor No is like boring. Like they didn't know how to edit movies back then. Like when I it's like really like I always thought it was cool, but anyways. Uh, but yeah, also like on Her Majesty's Secret Service, it has kind of like that similar like. Da, 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 da. It's four notes. Oh, yeah, you're it's, talking about the melody oh, there. Yeah, it's, it's four instead of three, but it's kind of similar to Three Blind Mice. Uh, it's Hot Cross Buns. Hot Cross Buns. Okay, there we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, Vatic, I guess she kind of has a very biased view of history when, you know, like she, mm-hmm. she doesn't give Starfleet credit. It was Starfleet officers who actually did steal yeah. the cure. She and, was a radicalized prisoner of war from yeah. a like Gitmo slash Abu Ghraib type torture prison. Yeah, it's like when these these uh, empirical and superpowers like, not... invade the wrong countries and then end up creating a bunch of terrorism. Right. She's not complete, and she's not completely in the right when she's like, "We didn't do anything like this." I'm like, I uh, the changelings no. regularly kidnap people, held them hostage so they could go right. take over their lives. Yeah, y'all, but, y'all, but yeah, y'all that killed no civilians. Y'all, y'all used biological warfare. Like y'all were very bad. <laughs> but but the idea that her moral compass is just so off that she doesn't really care about that or focuses on Federation depravities. To- I, I do get that. I buy it. The yeah. Oh, I totally buy it. The, to me, the most heinous things actually that the uh, founders ever do is the existence of the Jem'Hadar and their like addiction to Texas. Right, their their slave class of of <laughs> yeah. fighters. They're like they they are like they're honored. I was like they have no choice because you they're addicted to this drug. Right, but we we did get from from Vatic like we now know exactly what the deal is. They produced the evolutionary burst mm-hmm. forward that gave them the ability to perfectly mimic humans. She we know that she can link with people and share it, but it what shortens their lifespan. Well, the changelings yeah. are kind of like immortal, like they don't age or anything. Mm-hmm. So I think now that like they're more they're more biological. Now that they're more like flesh and blood, they'll eventually uh, deteriorate. It and gives die. out. I do like that. It's like. The thing that made them be able to take over more is something that Starfleet did to them. Yeah, that I think that's. I was like, like yeah, yeah, that's a, like there's a nice, um, there's a nice kind of story through line and a yeah. uh, moral arc to that. Like when uh, the uh, mm-hmm. the CIA set up Osama bin Laden. Yeah. Um, Oops. The the entire uh, Taliban, you know, being supplied with rocket launchers to fight yeah, the Russians the, uh, the and everything. Afghanistan mm-hmm. war with the Soviet <laughs> Union in the eighties, yeah. but but yeah, it's wild. Like, Wild stuff. Uh, um, I guess mm-hmm. blowback is the uh, the geopolitical term for that. But right. That's yeah. a, it's a thing. Uh, so yeah, I, and so that's why I'm like, it's absolutely a valid topic. Uh, what did y'all think as far as like the implications of that? You know that you know that this is something that Starfleet should be wrestling with. That this is a sin that Starfleet has at least somewhat. I mean, I do kind of like, and I almost. I the timing might not work on this. Something I kind of assumed. I kind of assumed whatever this research was was for making the disease um, that um, the, the that one, they ended up needing the cure for. Oh, I guess. Do we know? I don't know when. I guess we don't know when this happened in the timeline. I guess I thought it was yeah. after the Dominion War. She, she was like a POW. She's a she's a prisoner of war. So I think that it was during the war. But it would have so it would have been she after. Would have been released 
after the war. Her captivity would have been after the virus was created, though, that like infected because the okay. section 31 did that pretty early. That happened in season four. OK, that's what I can. You you just rewatched Deep Space Nine. It's been a little bit for me. <laughs> but but yeah, it was uh, I guess Paradise Lost would have been the episode when section 31 infected Odo. Joel in oh, the audience yeah. says that uh, Jake, as in Jake Sisko, needs to swoop in and write an expose about this. He I does. Agree. Yeah. What, what's Jake writing about? And uh, uh, Joanne oh, Robertson yeah. in the live audience also points out we create our own monsters with so compelling. And I do think that is a very mm-hmm. compelling and very good story. Very like Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to answer your question, Dave, I, as much as like I like this, and I think it's good. Just in general, I am fatigued of of sinister Starfleet. Uh, I have been for a mm-hmm. few years, so I would have preferred something else or would have preferred like uh I don't know. I don't even know if I would have wanted to be like a like a, a singular actor, like a rogue admiral or something. I do appreciate though that like this was stuff that was set up in DS9. I guess my biggest mm-hmm. issue is just like folding Section 31 into Starfleet. For me, I think Section 31 works better when they can when they have the freedom to be the bad guys. It's like what if there was like a bad guy who did bad guy stuff, but they're on your side. And so like that's yeah. an interesting problem for you to have as a good guy. And the, Mm-hmm. DS9 did that with 31 and no one since then, you know, Star Trek and I guess Enterprise maybe did a little bit, but you know, Star Trek into Darkness kind of made them like an official, they had like their whole like building on Earth, like Admiral Marcus <laughs> knew about. And, <laughs> and, you know, like on Discovery when they're walking around the ship with actual like Starfleet badges on their shirts and we were all making fun of like, why would a secret organization have recognizable badges? And and so, yeah, that's just, that's not how the... The, See, the way this seems to contradict that, the way I had always interpreted it is like maybe they were more official during that time and they're like, we got to go more in this in the shadows yeah it seems like during the klingon war and during the dominion war like starfleet mm-hmm. is like oh remember the section 31 guys let's let's bring them in you know they might be our only hope which i guess actually does mm-hmm. make a little bit of sense in universe but it's i don't know it's, yeah it wouldn't be it's not my preference, but I guess I can work with it. Picard says, and you know, I don't quite like Picard being having to be so naive about things. This guy's uh, a bazillion years old. He should he should know stuff. <laughs> but he had to say, I didn't know, and like good acting from Patrick Stewart, of mm-hmm. course. But yeah, it's it's it seems a little like it actually does seem a little naive of Picard. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I would say to be fair to Picard, I think this is a thing that most people do not know happened. It does seem like they're going with that, and so I hope that by the end of the series. You know, I, I just hope it's not too throwaway. I hope there's re- some mm-hmm. real acknowledgement of it, some responsibility taken. It can, you know, I, I really hope that that's a big part of it. Well, I think um, it was uh, our friend uh, Larry Nemechek I heard recently say, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't really know much about the CIA until the Bay of Pigs. They're just kind of like this, you know, like in the in the 50s, no one no one really knew what the CIA was and, until that. So that's really interesting. I don't even think I really knew that that's like how. Uh, people knew it existed, but I don't think people like knew like yeah. what they did. Uh, but mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know. Right, maybe... You just think that they're out there, just uh, uh, yeah, fighting bad guys overseas. Yeah, yeah maybe this so. will maybe this will change the the use of of Section Thirty One. I know that they're they're trying super hard to do. A, it's not going to be an ongoing series with Michelle Yeoh, but they're they're trying incredibly hard to do something. Like Alex Kurtzman keeps talking about, like Get oh, we're something. We're, we're actually going to start doing uh, smaller, shorter projects, like uh, like a, event series, or like that means mini series. Uh, yeah, that are going to be like very character focused, uh, you know, focused on like one character. It's like, okay, you're, you want to do a uh, made for streaming movie or a mini series with Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. Like, I know what you're talking about. I was like, <laughs> I, I, and I was like, I get it. She's way too busy. I honestly feel like it would be interesting if they did like an actual movie with Michelle Yeoh in theater. Because I feel like I wonder if that would maybe get people to like, because she's obviously very I mean. like. Like profile never right higher yeah yeah i yeah. think that's a possibility but i think she, it would be so hard to uh like 
present that character to a mainstream audience. It's like, That's here's someone like... from an alternate universe who went into the future, but then came back through the Guardian of Forever. And... Well, the thing is, though, but, you know, you can simplify that for audience and say, and say you know, who, who the, do some, you know, there is a pop cultural knowledge somewhat of, uh, of like evil Spock and evil Kirk and stuff and say like, mm -hmm. uh, but you, if you just said like Michelle Yeoh, you know, once she was the sworn enemy of, you know, Starfleet now, now she works for that, you know, uh, you know, the new Star Trek wrestles with, you know, difficult moral questions and dark pasts. I mean, if they need to explain the multiverse to be like, did you see the thing she won an Oscar for? <laughs> That's true. Oh, what if they connect everything everywhere all at once to Star Trek? And there's like, this is like another version of like that character, like one of the many yeah. multiverses she existed well, in. If nothing else, they should make a, a poster for like it. Like hundreds of years later. I mean, she was a if rock I'm... in one universe. She can be the uh, yeah. she can be the, the emperor of the Terran Empire in another, right? It seems like she had a good time making Star Trek Discovery. No, she wants uh, to like... do it. Michelle Yeoh is so, talking so, yeah. about like she wants to come back and do it. That's that's good. That's good. That's, I also you know, heard like if that it, if, she might if have some happen. availability shooting wise, like in the fall. So they might be trying to put mm -hmm. something in production soon. So, well, I think we'll either hear no something. They're going to try and crap her when she's done with Wicked. Uh, I, I don't know. Although, I don't know anything about the the production on right. Wicked. Like, have they have they started shooting that. that yet? They have. So it might. It's also it might they, be wrapped by then. Wicked's going to be two movies. Oh, right. Her character wouldn't be in like would like be in. A lot of the first movie, and then like would come in and out of the second movie. Though, is she playing the Don't witch? She... Is that like actually who she's playing? No, she's playing okay. uh, a character named Madame Morble, who's like their professor, who's not a very good person. Hmm. I wonder if they might like do one of those things where they like film most of her, you know, all scenes for both movies, roughly, basically at once. I, I mean, I that wouldn't necessarily surprise me because she doesn't. She ha would have a lot more to do because th how I assume they're doing it is they're going to make first act one movie, second act second movie so they can end the first movie with defying gravity right that that would make sense since defying gravity is like when she leaves college they see a lot less of their professor after that i i have to add wicked to like my pop culture list of things i know nothing about like, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that like that was i thought it was like about like the witch from the wizard of oz i didn't know it like showed like her like going to school and i guess she learns to fly and there's a song called defying gravity i'm learning all kinds of stuff yeah um i mean my favorite movie is the wizard of oz so obviously i love wicked uh, but it's like her whole backstory. So it's like her whole, so like her whole life. Well, uh, Dave, you you mentioned earlier the uh, Picard and uh, Crusher, like that conversation about like, uh, are we just gonna like straight up execute this changeling? And you said you had a problem with. I actually kind of appreciated that because I think yeah, like in Star Trek, you actually you know talk about these things. You don't just like mm -hmm. go and do it. And they never right. actually like came to it. But I mean, Beverly was pretty trigger happy. They did pop some shots right at the end. Well, that that was when she was like a uh, loose when she was right. like yeah. On, on I think the, there is uh, a difference between shooting at someone and that, yeah. That would have been that would have been shoot, shooting her while trying to escape and not an execution. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know I don't know what Picard would have what what his final verdict would have been. I don't know if he would have maybe he should have been like um like an action hero and when the force field went down he could have smiled to the camera and said oh no she's loose and then turned around and pop pop pop. But but I also think I also think it's it's incredibly appropriate for like the thing that would make you know picard like sit and, and wrestle with that would be like oh yeah like the safety of your child um mm -hmm. sure safety of your child added to like jack is not the only person she's threatening right like the whole whatever the plan for front uh, for frontier day is it's not good for the federation yeah which is right. coming up like, it's only hours away at this point yeah 
you know, um, earlier in the season, one of the scenes I liked that was somebody doing something, I would say, pretty morally manipulative or wrong, which was Rafi's ex-husband uh, being like, mm-hmm. you have to cho- choose. Do you yeah. want know, to you know, know where your son is or do you want to go on your crazy mission? I disagree and, with you on that one, too. I think given what he knew, that that makes a lot of sense. No, no. But that was – if you remember, I thought that was a good scene. I just, uh, I just think it was like um, – it was just unfair, uh, you know, like um, um, and, and it is like people when you're caught up in emotion, you don't always act fairly. So <laughs> so in theory, I like that. I, th- I think it's actually fair, given what he knows about her, though, or, or more importantly, what he doesn't what he doesn't know. Right. We, the viewers, know know that what that what, you know, know her better in yeah. some ways, the current her better he, than him. He basically thinks that she's like a QAnon meth head. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, right. Um, you, you would hope that the time he had spent with her would have showed her enough of the side that that's better, but, but that was when she was, I guess, at her worst. So, so yeah. Um, anyway, um, I am actually broadly all for Star Trek showing people, uh, you know, a, a little bit, maybe more often than it has sometimes closer to how DS9 did it when they, you know, maybe make some bad calls as long <laughs> as the sort of maybe broader senses. Yeah. Humans improving, you know, better at some stuff, better, you know, more diverse, more, uh, more accepting and all of that. But but yes, people can still be people. So so I kind of want to see how the rest of the season plays out to help, help you, you know, mm-hmm. see where that scene just fits in with the bigger picture. Yeah. And, um, and I like I like to see, you know, I, I love like having like these big uh, ideals in Star Trek, but I, I think it's more interesting, you know, when you have characters, you really have when they they struggle when they have to, you know, try to grapple with figuring out like what the you like like kirk in balance of terror when he's just like like you know he's normally this super confident guy very smart very clever on, on top of his shit but there you still get those scenes where he's like laying in, in on his bed staring at the ceiling of his cabin just like oh my god bones am i doing the right thing like what was is this right and and yeah mm-hmm. i think i think that's it's it's just more entertaining drama and i think it's uh I think there's more payoff to those stories. It, it makes it more relatable. But it's definitely part of the Star Trek DNA. Yeah. Would you have killed Vatic, Fathery? I, I, as someone who like doesn't have a, a child, like I, I don't, I don't know. But I think so like that quite connection. I think I think like well, you know, we we kill these people in combat all the time. If if she gets out of here, like do what? Well, I guess it'd be a question of like, do I trust my ability to keep her a prisoner, or do I do do I not? So yeah, I guess it would come down. I think to it's that. like. To the point, you get to the point where you're like, I think Batman. I was like, I think I'd be okay if Batman killed the Joker at right, this point. Right. Like. Yeah, if they're gonna ever, if they're gonna really lean into how much the Joker gets away with, you it just it just makes yeah. Batman look weak. I'm just like is. super contrarian right now because I actually like I like Batman like having a rule of like I will never kill Joker. Like I can't. I, I, I can't. Like, I can't become like an that he has that rule, but like also I I don't understand. <laughs> if at this point he keeps escaping and murdering people, like. I'm more okay with people in Starfleet using lethal force than I am with like Marvel or DC superheroes. Yeah, there's, I mean, they're, they're kind of different types of heightened universes, so. I prefer it not to be like execution. Yeah. Right, right. There is, it's always going to feel kind of gross if somebody just walks over and like the, was it the infamous shot in that, was it, was it Vietnam, the execution? I, I, yeah, I say this in real life. I am very much opposed to the death penalty. I think yeah. like people aren't like arch enemy. Aren't, like real people aren't like insane like th- this for the most part right right it's rare you have an arch foe and yeah. you know that kind of thing <laughs> but you know like maybe they should maybe they should be trying to re- rehabilitate people if they can uh yeah that would definitely be ideal with with that i think like, if they were if mm-hmm. P- you know picard was captain of the enterprise and you know didn't wasn't like trying to run from starfleet and actually 
Yeah, it, it would just be unfathomable that he would ever like you know consider that. But I, I think in these yeah. these desperate they have been putting him in those circumstances. Raffi and Worf uh, were yeah. effectively torturing uh, a changeling. Uh, mm-hmm. And just as 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 Riker was being tortured, I'm sure it's not completely coincidental that we saw both our heroes and villains kind of doing the same thing. And uh, uh, you know, it doesn't look like this as a big theme in this season. Uh, you know, I don't think that they are sort of doing a well, the Federation, you know, some sort of moral equivalence between that and the Changelings. But there's they're definitely suggesting that they use some of the same tactics. No, and I, and I would mm-hmm. I would say I think it actually does tie into the bigger theme because I. The, I think it's apparent at this point that the theme of the season is, you know, it's about like generations. It's about the next generation. Mm-hmm. It's about mm-hmm. legacy. It's about, you know, you inherit the good things and the bad things. You get the, mm-hmm. the you know, the, the cool one liners about how we're all stars in the same galaxy. But you also get the aromatic syndrome, which might not be aromatic yeah. syndrome now. But, you know, I brought that up last week. And then, uh, you yeah, know, I he, like he, that he, point. I like it a lot. And 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 then, uh, you know, the the big theme in last week's episode the uh, that evolution shouldn't be preservation it's it's change it's things are going to evolve they're going to be different and there's even a bit more that he, when when lore is talking to data about you know his motivations when he says uh, survival is human nature pal and, oh yeah soon android trying to be human lore has the perverted mm-hmm. view of what that means but there's a lot of i guess bad things about humanity so lore is the avatar yeah. for that and it's like kind of like you kind of have to accept and like acknowledge the like sins of the past yeah yeah. And that's something where um, uh, talking about uh, Trek as a reflection of America, um, man, that boy, mm-hmm. that is that is a relevant question, a relevant mm-hmm. topic right now. Very much so. It never it never has not been. And, and, and the, the you know, the other side of that, not just like the past, but the future side of that. And just like the, uh, you know, the where you put all of your value, you place it on like, you know, your children, your offspring or, you know, the continuation of, of your of yourself. But yeah, like we all on some level, we all, you know, want survival. And that, that mm-hmm. that's partly what's driving Vatic, although it also seems like she's answering to some big bad for unknown reasons. But, you know, she, she thinks that she's doing the right thing for her people. Jordy is trying to do what's right for his daughters. Uh, Jack is, uh, I guess, trying to do what's right for what he thinks like, you know, the people around him. But, you know, his parents are trying mm-hmm. to do what they think is right for him. Even though they might not be his parents, they did say, you know, Vatic did say uh, he, he's not meant for me. And, you know, he was never meant for you either. So maybe he's not their kid. Do you think it was created by the living force, maybe? <sighs> well, <laughs> I guess anything is possible, but uh, I, somehow Jack Crusher survived. They gave they gave Beverly Crusher memories of like being pregnant uh, that never <laughs> happened. Hey, who knows? Who knows that they they probably have so, at least one or two things in up their sleeve that no, that they wanted to make sure nobody could really guess at. So who knows yeah. what craziness? Is. I feel like I'm guessing like if he is like turned out to not actually be biologically their son, he's gonna like feel some way about that, and they're gonna be like they're gonna be like, no, you're our son. We don't care like what they say. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that'd be kind of cool. You know, I was so adamant about like i do not want i do not want david marcus the next generation and it's like oh i actually like really like jack and i love these scenes of him with his parents and stuff you know what i what i really don't need is david marcus's end for jack because i enjoy jack no no they're uh they're keeping he's gonna be alive they they want him for a potential new show that i don't know if it'll ever Mm -hmm. happen but i think it's did you, did you not like David Marcus? I like David Marcus fine. I didn't have control over a movie that <laughs> came out before I was born. No, no, I just just wondered if you if you like just liked his character or anything like that. He didn't he didn't actually get obviously the the sort of the arcs and stuff that Jack. Yeah, is. yeah, he was more just like an extension of Kirk's character. He was never really like Correct. he never got to be like his own. David dude. Marcus is a fine character, and again, I don't have control over movies that came out before I was born. I think Rachel <laughs> didn't like his death, or doesn't want doesn't. Yeah, want I was Jack saying I didn't to... like his death. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Um, that was, uh, that, uh, curtailed Dave did, some... though. Dave said what? helmet. Dave, you told me that you and your brother would watch Star Trek three and then y'all would like, uh, like celebrate when, when he gets stabbed. I don't think that's exactly right. Uh, there's, there's, there was a funny in joke we had about it. Um, because, uh, I think part of it had to do with Savick's, uh, uh what's the actress's name? Robin Curtis. Robin Curtis's slightly flat delivery of it. And the fact that we had read the book where they were like in the, in the, you know, in the book they had a relationship and that was a big thing. And so we were almost making fun of the movie a little bit, although we liked Star Trek three, we were really kind of making fun of her deadpan delivery. Uh, I that. see. Uh, so to clarify there, I didn't think it was funny. <laughs> that makes so much more sense. Cause I always yeah. thought like y'all were a couple of weirdos for like, <laughs> no, what are the, what do these Faraby boys do? Like, now, you know, the full yeah. story, okay. just like uh, that was my Vatic monologue. It's no, short, I know the but, rest of the that story. Like Paul yeah. That's why now I seek revenge on you, father. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Uh, join, join the club. You're gonna have to get in the queue. As Jack said, <laughs> Jill 47 is saying you changeling bastards. You killed my son. <laughs> Uh, but no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't get killed. He's uh, he's he's doing pretty good in this episode. Him and Sydney with their telepathic kung fu. But uh, yeah, I like the editing here. How like that's cut with like Vatic's like dramatic escape, and then Jordy mm -hmm. Jordy is just Lavar Burton just getting to be like so emotional and just like pouring his heart. Just like I love like his delivery of like the like the goddamn Lord. Like that was in one of the trailers, and it just like when I saw mm -hmm. it, like Lavar Burton says that with like so much like anger, and I'm just like, oh my god, what a bad thing is Lord doing to them? Like I need to yeah. know. But, yeah, uh, you know, this it was like hard hitting. Like when Jordy's looking at that screen, that view screen, and he's seeing uh, a Sydney having like her head slammed into a force field by the the big massive yeah. changeling dude. Jill, I think, rightly noted earlier that it's a real shame that they hadn't lost, they didn't lose the visor earlier in the show. I, just, oh, yeah. I, because watching him act, and I remember seeing an interview where he said the reason he wanted to get rid of it is because it's really hard to act without your eyes, yeah, and I was like, oh, he's so good! He's so, it's so good iconic, his eyes. though. It's such an iconic thing I, with TNG. I, 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 I get it, but I honestly, now I wonder, I was like, I wonder if, like, sometimes they were bad at writing more emotional stuff for Jordy because, like, they, like, didn't get to see the emotion on his face as much. Right, it, it felt, in, it might have felt in some way like LeVar Burton had a somewhat more limited range of what he could do. Yeah, yeah don't, no, don't give that guy emotional scenes, give him some techno babble. He's really good at reading yeah. the techno right, right. He Even was, though by the way. that is not true, LeVar Burton is a great actor. <laughs> He, they just had a they just had a headband over his eyes. He's also really good at doing the techno babble stuff, though. Which he is, really they, is. They gave him some here, and he was able to to sell it pretty well. I one of the the big highlights of this episode for me, though, was as brief as it was, was like Shaw in action. Like these mm -hmm. these recent episodes, he hasn't been as now that they they're bringing in more of the TNG people, he's kind of being pushed off to the side. But they still try to right. give him at least one moment in every episode, and so I like it was. I like that. he's been pretty heroic here, and also uh, also kind of doing the martyrdom thing in a way, or like you know he got yeah. his he got his ass kicked for for. Did being, he try like, to tell them to like blow up the um, the turbo lift with him on it? Oh, I didn't, I I didn't catch that. I so I didn't catch that, but I I, I saw a couple people saying it on Twitter. Mm. Like, uh, enough people that I assumed it was just something I, I was only able to see this once, so I, I might have to look for that. I think that's not in here, but if I'm wrong, someone please uh, let me know. That I mean, he was obviously like he's sacrificing himself. He, I'm not he probably served in the Dominion War since he was already in Starfleet. He was in Starfleet at Wolf yeah. three five nine, so he's pro he probably mm -hmm. served all like two years of the Dominion Wars. He probably has like some combat experience. I like that, like when he when like there is action or even like last week when he was you know in command of the titan when they were trying to get everyone beamed back from daystrom station and stuff yeah he's kind of 
adverse to, to going into combat but when he's forced to be in a combat situation he seems like incredibly like a uh, efficient you know he stops like the uh like the the asshole jokes and stuff and he's just like all business when he a little a little like maybe how o'brien never really came oh, off yeah. you know until they leaned into it he when didn't O'Brien come across as like this hard mode. soldier but then you you knew you, you would come to see that he had that. I love that, Dave. Thank you so much for uh, connecting those dots. Because, yeah, you're, I think sure. you're absolutely right. And I also thought it was very interesting that he clearly, anytime his crew is in danger, like, very, like, by the books, we're going to play it safe. But he's very willing to put himself in, like, danger. Right. When he shot at that, that one changeling, he, like, hit him, like, once in the head and once in the heart. Is like, oh, yeah, he's got, like, pretty mm-hmm. precise aim, too. Like, he's so, he yeah, says he so likes... He said he likes precision. Yeah, that's true. Um, and you know, we also may find that he's changing a little bit, you know, uh, because he is he is seeing these kind of larger than life heroes uh, mm-hmm. in his presence. Now, obviously, they've brought a lot of tragedy, but probably cannot help but uh, but admire uh, some of you know some of what he sees in them, in spite of himself. And everyone mm-hmm. was ner- everyone was so scared uh, that, that Shaw was going to die, which I, I love. We all we all I, like Shaw I've... now thought he it's was true. dead for a second i when they came through the door i, I was, was terrified then, yes i was like i need show him alive show him alive show him alive like i need to see did, i need to know he's alive crying <laughs> then they show him like tears in his eyes and i was like oh no oh he's so defeated and i yeah. i also like this episode made me appreciate uh amanda Plummer's uh performance as vatic more and like i, I like mm-hmm. i i kind of sympathized with her earlier when she was like stressed out you know like tiktok goes the ancient clock and then when she gets like her big victory here i love that she like savors it that she is like trying to uh you know, like really enjoy the moment and make like a a, a big deal out of winning like she, she like she thinks like she just won the season like the, this is how the saga of tng ends with everyone is defeated by vatic <laughs> right they, they, somebody just needs to drop the credits in uh afterwards <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> this is vatic captain of the titan <laughs> uh, oh god that's like a beat credit <laughs> um, it is so funny sometimes like on those tragic episodes darkly funny I, obviously the, like you know inner the funniest flight. one to me is the west wing has the most upbeat credits and apparently right. the commercial break there yeah um they are they sound like i heard someone once describe them as it sounds like the soundtrack to a, a disney channel original movie and it like the, <laughs> like the most devastating thing like the daughter the president's like daughter has just been kidnapped and then the most joyful music you've ever seen in your life in your life that you know modern modern shows have gotten better about that by allowing for sometimes a no music credits or a an alternate sound you know most most big budget shows now they'll change i think game of thrones might have started it but like they'll change Mm -hmm. the uh the in credit music to match the tone. I've, I've yep. seen it a lot. Yeah, Game lately. of Thrones was was good about it. Now they also make it with the idea that you might not be watching this in a way that would have a commercial break anymore. For sure, right? Yeah, because yeah, most yeah. people are watch on skip ahead. Yeah, but yeah, that was a good moment for for Vatic. Uh, obviously, uh, but she gives us a cool. Te- she gives the audience a cool tease when she says, "Jack, my dear, if you can hear me, it's time you learned who you truly are." So it's like, okay, we're getting the Jack answers. I think week. I literally went, "Oh, thank God!" Like <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Which, as confused as I was, and kind of weirded out by like the uh, you know red eye telepathy stuff. Just like mm-hmm. getting that confirmation of like, don't worry, fathery, answers are coming. You don't have to wait long. It's like, okay, uh, okay, show, I trust you. 
That's Vadik looking at you directly on the audience and saying, "Chill your ass out." I would just calm down. I wouldn't mind like meeting Vadik. I would. I, she'd probably shoot me after, like, this is immediately after I pissed her off. But I, 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 I don't oh. know. That'd be an interesting person Most to definitely. converse with. Should yeah. almost. <laughs> I, I would be. I'd be willing to sit down for a chat. I think I would rather hang out with Jack, maybe, or uh, or Sydney. Yeah. Or Shaw. But... Hang out with Shaw. Talk about no how, like, Shaw. He... No. I, <laughs> I like how, the character, like, but how no. I dislike jazz music. <laughs> right, you got you've got a topic already. You know, I like Shaw as a character. Bad things keep happening to him. I don't know if I need to be around. Somebody pointed anything. out, and I, I guess I kind of didn't notice it in this one that he's still dead naming Seven, and that's damn it, Shaw. That's why you're getting your ass beat. Stop it. Yeah, not not great. I did see someone say, "It's like it's every time he uh, calls her Hanson, he gets beat up." <laughs> and I was like, maybe. Some, oh, they're saving, uh, it, they're saving it for the end of the season when he like when he like has that bonding moment I, with I'm her. Maybe that's what so. it is. I kind of like I kind of thought he would be done. And then they're they're still... gonna start making out, and then like Seven will be like, "Oh, I'm so glad I'm done with Raffi," and then Shaw will be like, "Oh, I love <laughs> you," and then and it... Seven will be like, "Not since Chicote have I yeah. seen such an amazing lover." Yeah, this, I only time I ever felt this way before in my life was with Chicote, and I can't believe I found like <laughs> I... such a, a strong love yeah. again. You know how like I'm the one who likes romance the best. I hate Seven and Chicote. Yeah, I don't oh. think that was ever a real popular one. It makes... Robert Beltran said no, that was that was from he dared brandon braga like oh so uh, uh jerry ryan is your girlfriend now and you're the showrunner on our show i bet you wouldn't end the show with uh with me and ending up with seven of nine and brandon was like no i would do that here here you go i the the joke i used to say to people i was like they both have better chemistry with janeway yeah that's uh, true. like yeah i guess that's, that's that's absolutely true in both cases yeah I've, um, I've definitely heard that interpretation. I always kind of thought of like Seven and Janeway a bit more like mother daughter, but I know a, a I, lot of I people read too. it as like a very uh, uh, kind of sexy friendship. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I get, and especially as like I'm a straight woman, uh, I do understand that like especially in the '90s, if you wanted anything queer, you had to like yeah. make it yourself. Yeah. Like I've always right. read, uh, you know, Kirk and Spock is like these these two best friends with a very like brotherly type love like they actually like say on screen oh yeah you're like a brother to me but some people want to read it as like you know there's yeah. a romance there and you know if that's if that's but how yeah, you watch it more power it, to you like yeah. i get it especially in the 60s yeah. nothing you got you got literally nothing you had to make TV. up your own gay characters yeah i mean even like when i was in high school still you know what's funny? The like thing that do. that sort of works about that is that if you know, assuming the show is a reflection of its times, you know, any any gay people in the '60s did have to live mostly in the closet. They were going to have to hide it. So it would, if Kirk and Spock were meant to reflect that, then they would also be kind of hiding it. So <laughs> uh, you know, uh, even though we know in the yeah, future that would, be that would make it more relatable, I guess, to the audience. But yeah, it's like it kind of weirdly works. <laughs> sure. The only other thing on this episode that I guess is noteworthy that I got is uh Dr. Crusher still like on top of her medical shit. She found a way to track the changelings. Uh, so, oh, yeah. so that might make things uh, easier going forward, assuming they survive the, uh, the ship takeover. Right. Right. I like when they remember that she's supposed to be a good doctor and not like, you know, they, cause she they remember the show remembers. Yeah. <laughs> it, they didn't always remember on TNG. That's all I'm gonna. Or, or in those movies. Um, do y'all have any final thoughts before they barely remembered she was a character in the movies <laughs> yeah fair enough uh, I, I don't know that I have anything else like notably to say about the episode but I have to say the thing I'm most looking forward to although I, I do want to know what Jack's thing is but like mm -hmm. on a sort of more fan level I guess I want to see a little bit of a diehard on the ship with, with uh, Sydney and Jack doing something that would be cool. I don't know if that's how they're going to do it 
but Look, I kind of want to see it. That quartet that we see in Sick Bay of like, okay, Crusher mm-hmm. and Picard and Jack and Sydney, like almost like a little like family adventure. It's like mom and dad yeah. and son and girlfriend, and they're gonna they're gonna do something. I think it's also a good mix of because uh, I'm guessing they're having to have to do some actiony things. I think it's good they have some of the younger actors with them. Yeah, and also be like, hey, did you like this? Well, if you want more Sydney and Jack, then uh, please <laughs> lobby for the for the 25th yeah. century show that Terry wants to make. Joel in the audience's uh, par- paraphrases uh, Die Hard with, haha, now I have a phaser rifle. <laughs> uh, bring it. <laughs> We've seen Janeway do it uh, and then various other crew members. Uh, Michael uh, Burdum. She even had to like take off her yep. shoes and walk through some glass. It's true. Who else did a? There's someone else who did Die Hard on a ship recently. Uh, well, Picard did it in a Starship. Starship Mine, yeah. which also had Tim Russ in it as a, not as not, not not Tuvok. He was a, as, he was one of the Tuvok. terrorists. He was just like a random you know background. Star actor. Trek Generations also has Tim yeah. Russ as not. Tuvok. He's on he's on the bridge of the Enterprise B, and yeah. uh, you actually see like some good shots of him where you're like, oh, he's not a Vulcan. He's clearly not Tuvok, mm-hmm. even though he could have been. Tuvok was in Starfleet back then. For a second, the first like. The first time I like rewatched it after watching Voyager, I was like, "Oh, is they, it's like it's like was Voyager making them?" They're like, "Oh, Tuvok's here," and then they just cut. I was like, "Oh no, he's a human." <laughs> yeah, which is funny <laughs> because they shot that right before they started shooting uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager uh, season one. So it's like he got to be in a Star Trek movie right before he's in a Star Trek show. Yeah, I, it'd be funny if they had like if they had like realized that they were about to start doing this. Like, yeah, throw some Vulcan ears on him. Have it be Tuvok. <laughs> In yeah, the they audience, should have done that. But it was in the audience, there. Cake, um, who uh, I think uh, describing the scene where Vatic sees Jack for the first time and says, "I thought you'd mm-hmm. be taller," asks if that was from Escape from L.A. But uh, where I believe that is that phrase has been uh, recurring since at least seventies movies. Yeah. yeah, it's been in a it lot of stuff. Think it, 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 usually, it comes up in real life a lot. I, people people yeah. tell that to me all the time when I'm. Uh, oh, really? I, I said that but like when I met when I met Jesse Gender in real life for the first per, first time. <laughs> like I'm not like I'm not insanely tall, but I'm fairly tall for a girl, mm-hmm. and I guess. Like I thought you'd be shorter a lot. You're what, like five, in, five, in film, eight, I five believe... seven? How tall are you? I'm five seven. Okay. It's usually used to indicate it, like in fiction and stuff like that. A, uh, you're a little, uh, you're, basically, you're not as impressive as I thought you would be. That's what it's mm-hmm. the short version of what it means. There also might be a little bit of a, a little dick joke uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> in there, but but yeah, at its basis, that's how I've always seen it used. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I sometimes have like from from how people appear on screen or what I see in movies, completely mm-hmm. wrong ideas about their height. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean. There's the, um, I made a TikTok about it. I don't think I've ever talked. There's a Star Trek, like, novel I was reading, and they describe Bashir as short for a human. And I was like, isn't he, like, six foot? Hmm. Yeah. He is. A... I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't think you have the correct. Did that writer just him. have a bad impression, maybe? There's a lot of tall people on DS9. That might be the tallest Star Trek cast. My theory is that the main character of that book is Jadzia, and Terry Farrell is also six foot. And I think seeing him next to a woman <laughs> who's the same height as him made them think he was like mm. short like didn't she thought that she was a normal height and he was short and didn't realize that he was like six foot is fairly tall and she's just very tall yeah yeah she's uh i don't know i would consider six foot tall like for for a guy pretty pretty tall yeah well uh, i guess we'll go ahead and go into the gorn egg section of the show where i like to point out the easter eggs and jokes and continuity connections that i thought were worth mentioning uh, some are from some of my favorites. My favorite Star Trek show, DS9, and my favorite Star Trek movie, Star Trek Through the Search for Spock, both get some recognition here. But yeah, we opened the episode in the Chintaka system, which uh, y'all might remember from DS9. There were two big battles of Chintaka in the Dominion War. Uh, the first was in the season six finale when they captured Chintaka. It's kind of a big deal. It's the 
first time that the uh, Federation Klingon Romulan Alliance was able to capture a uh, Cardassian held territory. And then there, the, then the brain came in in season seven and drove the, the allies out of that or the Federation allies out of that uh, region. And, uh, you know, did like a little bit of back and forth stuff there, but I like, Oh yeah, it makes, it makes sense. There'd be like a tons of tons of starship wreckage there to hide in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Seven talking to fake Tuvok. Uh, there's some interesting stuff that happens in that scene. Uh, she mentions having her neural pattern stabilized by a mind meld. That was in the uh, Voyager episode. Um, season five, Infinite Regress, I think is the name of it. But it's the one where Seven is like uh, all the different like board personalities, mm-hmm. like different people who were assimilated start coming out and like all of a sudden like she starts like acting like a Ferengi and then she's acting like a Vulcan and it's, you know, she's like has like split personalities basically and Tuvok repaired that right. with a mind meld. Uh, can we call fake Tuvok like Fotok or something? <laughs> Fovok? Yeah, okay. Fovok. I like that. Uh, weird that they're having anti-Kolinar protest, but you know, I like that they mentioned Kolinar from Star Trek, the motion picture. That was like the ritual Spock mm-hmm. was going, the final uh, ritual of like purging your emotions. Um, I, I just like that people like in the Federation, the, like, you know, it makes it makes the universe feel real. Oh yeah, there's anti-Kolinar protests and stuff like that. It's like things are happening, not just in Starfleet, but other parts of the Federation. Uh, when Data is activated, he's like, yo, where's the uh, the scimitar? Like, what's going on? But we were fighting uh, Shinzon and the Remans and stuff. You know, he thinks yeah. he thinks he's still in Star Trek Nemesis. But yeah, the, the scimitar he mentioned, uh, the, the ship that he blew up on in Star Trek Nemesis. The uh, old Vulcan ship, where I guess they... They stage a, uh, there had been a battle, but there never actually was just to make Vatic think that it was safe to board the Titan. But I think that that ship, we get uh, not a great look at it, but I think enough we can say with uh, certainty that it is the Dakir class. They they were the, uh, the more, the beefier, more combat type Vulcan ships that we saw in Star Trek Enterprise. First one we saw, I think, was in the season two premiere Shockwave part two. Uh, and it was named the the VSS, I guess that means Vulcan science ship, but VSS Taplana. So it's kind of similar to the Taplana Hoth, which was the, uh, I believe that was the ship that made first contact with Zephram Cochran. This, this is kind of a goofy Easter egg, and I apologize for throwing it in here, but I couldn't resist. Uh, Vadik's uh, scanner, her little wrist scanner, when she was looking for life signs on the Titan, it was the same sound effect. It delighted me when I heard it. Was the same sound effect as uh, Savick and David Marcus's tricorder in Star Trek Three when they were also uh, detecting a, a life sign when they they find little kid Spock regenerated from Planet Genesis. Was that in Wrath of Khan when they went down to um, Botany Bay? Oh yeah, the um, oh as well. Maybe. Yeah, I think that actually might be the same as as that uh, when they're not one hundred percent sure, but it it definitely like it it made me instantly kind of anxious because I associate it with. Um, sort of uh, tense moments. So that, that's your favorite Trek mm-hmm. movie is Wrath of Khan. Right. Mine search for but Spock. I, but I also so like it's sort of suspenseful vibe. Yeah. yeah. It was just a cool sound. They did cool sound effects. It is. It is. Uh, oh, and then, uh, oh, okay, this is another goofy one, but uh, the formula they were exposed to contained thalamium. Is that how you say it? Thalam- thalamium? I don't know that word. But the uh, the, the formula that the, the, those changelings were exposed to that makes them detectable is thalamium 847 so we got a 47 this is i think the third 47 they've given us in picard so like some of the recent shows they kind of stopped doing 47s like after discovery season two and i don't know why but yeah like i'm, I'm glad that we finally i think we didn't have 47s in picard until uh season three was there any in seasons one and two i have to go back and check but i think that that might have been just like a season three thing so good for them dave 
we we asked some people last week what they thought of uh, season three, uh, episode six, the bounty. And uh, what what were people saying? Did we receive any subspace transmissions? Let me give you a mixture here of uh, of uh, positive and so a few critical ones. Um, the the first one I wanted to grab was uh, uh, Lumity Fan eighty nine uh, just posted spaceships with an exclamation point and a picture of the Fleet Museum and all of its glory. Mario the Trek Dude says this single episode probably tied in every iteration of Trek. It was amazing. Just all about mixture, from the ships to the parents and kids to data and lore. It was a nostalgic walk down memory lane in the present with a possible glimpse into the future. It was perfection, finally. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, opinions No One Cares About says, I was just glad Riker could remember the song Pop Goes the Weasel this time since he couldn't remember it the first time Data died. Trek Fan says, such a fantastic episode. Felt a little cheated at how Moriarty was used in the trailer versus how he appeared in the episode. Felt a little bait and switch. Uh, was fantastic seeing the old ships. Also wondering if this means more or was it just an Easter egg? Let's see. Uh, Joanne Robertson. Uh, said there was a lot going on in this episode, so I found it hard to focus. I thought Seven's Voyager moment was nice. Jack is all over the place, but I like his connection with Sydney. Uh, I thought the aromatic syndrome was a nice twist, but can't be the whole story. Uh, PJ, the trick, uh, unsurprisingly, has some, uh, some some somewhat critical things to say. Said I liked a lot of things and moments. Seven and Voyager, Jack and Sydney, Data, Synth, and Jordy, uh, uh, Bev, uh, 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 sorry, Data, Synth, and Jordy, Bev and Jordy, but there was a lot that felt more like something from a fan film in this episode. Uh, I know many loved it and that it was fun to see, but it was too much at the same time. Let's see. Ann Cope loved it. Seven saying Voyager were her family. Stay away from my daughter, the LaForge sisters, Jack and Sydney. Uh, but my favorite was Data saying Jordy and Jordy's tears. Missed those two together. Let's see. Steven with a PH says, I haven't felt this level of excitement since Voyager. Seven's telling about Voyager was probably the highlight for me in an outstanding episode. Um, and let me wrap with this one from uh, underscore PH. Uh, it's brilliant, but I hate the common wisdom uh, that season one sucked. Uh, mostly it seems because they ran out of money to do more than four classes of ships in the cavalry fleet at the end. <laughs> uh, season, He says season one, uh, or they say season one established the three dimensionality uh, the world and characters lacked. So, um, so there you have it. Um, it, it. There were some criticisms, but uh, broadly a lot of lot of good times, and especially the love of the the ships and stuff. Yeah, no, I had a great time. Uh, I think last week's episode was my favorite of Picard ever, even though it had the thing I I liked the least in it, which was the the <laughs> folding section thirty one. It was Dave. You weren't here last week when I said it was my Nepenthe. How you loved Nepenthe, even though you hated the death of Hugh. <laughs> right, but, right, yeah. But that was your favorite episode of season one, even though it had your least favorite thing in it. Right. Sometimes yeah. that's just how it be. Yeah. <laughs> last last week's episode is my favorite episode of Star Trek of all currently oh, 27 episodes. But yeah, it had my least favorite thing of the entire series. I don't know which has been my favorite, but I think somewhere like episode three or four would be closer to it for me. But but I don't like I'm not a I'm not a big starship guy. So that one, mm -hmm. while while it had some neat stuff, it wasn't like a huge thing for me. No, I think mine was like mm -hmm. the whole like uh, evolution is uh, is not preservation, but it's like adaptation and change. It's like, yes, yes. Okay. Like, let, like, I don't I don't want Picard to end with like they're all back on the Enterprise D. It comes out of, of Hangar 12 out of the space dock, out of that ship museum. And like the show ends is like Picard and Riker and Troy and Crusher on like the enterprise days. Like, I guess we're just going to hang out on the enterprise and it's like, it, and right off into the sunset and it'll be like TNG. Like never mm -hmm. is like, no, like let things end. Let right. People right. Grow old and die and move on. It's like you know, star Trek six ended the original series. I want, I want Picard season three to end the TNG. 
stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, allow some allow some good closure. Yeah. It's it can be very it can be very cathartic and moving. And you can still have like you know Scotty discovered in the transporter buffer and relics. You can still yeah you can use these characters again. But I don't think I I want this mm-hmm. to be like. Give me closure on like the TNG saga, as I keep calling it. The final it. Deep Space Nine, I think, is a good model. Yeah. It had a lot of closure to most, uh, pretty much all the major arts, but definitely a mm-hmm. sense of things moving forward that literally people were not yeah. dead, that their lives would continue. And uh, so I, I think that'd be a good one to look yeah, at. Yeah. And like, you know, we've seen some of those people again. So, like, you know, we've had Worf show up. Uh, he's probably going to be in mm-hmm. next week's episode of Picard. Yeah. Uh, you know, any, anyone from I think we're going to get like another DS9 actor before the end of the season. I, th- I, I think I think so, too. I, I don't know who because I have not been good at guessing the guest stars <laughs> that aren't the like main TNG people. Um, I'm not going to guess, though, because we do we do need to end. It's been a, a long show. <laughs> we but, too must end. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so all good things. Uh, dot, dot, dot. It was a long road. Uh, all that all that nonsense. Uh, what we left behind. Blah, blah, blah. This is our end game. How many other unless there's a turnabout intruder in the room uh, (laughs) or a a counter clock incident that's going to reset things. Uh, (laughs) I think I just did all the existing season finales, right? Who am I missing? Pretty good. Okay, cool. Maybe Voyager. I don't know. Well, we're going to get a new one in two weeks or three, three weeks. Um, Yeah, three weeks. I would I would I would join you in whistling. I, I can't. I can't whistle. Yeah, I I wasn't (laughs) sure if I could. It's sort of I I, I can't. I can't whistle yet, but I'm I'm gonna learn eventually. Uh, so, okay. I've tried <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, I'll meet y'all on the holodeck later on, and we'll see what we yeah. can do in the in the uh, <laughs> pond uh, right. holodeck. And I'll meet our audience on uh, on Wednesday, April fifth, first contact day. If anyone comes to that mm-hmm. stream, uh, otherwise, I'll see y'all Friday uh, as we are live every Friday night, seven p.m. Central, and we'll be discussing episode eight, surrender. And then, uh, then after that, it's the two-part finale. So uh, almost there. But until then, as always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at txtrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.